reading of Scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. The bulletin notation begins the reading at verse 16, but I have decided that I'm going to begin the reading at verse 1 for us to uh, have the full picture, the full context of the, the passage. Uh, the sermon does focus on 16 through 20, but I think it's important for us to get the full context. So let us ask the Lord whose spirit breathed out this word to breathe upon us afresh that we may rightly receive it in true faith. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the victory of your Son, Jesus Christ, over sin and death and hell for us and for our salvation. And because you have called us to live as your disciples, we pray that you will send forth the Holy Spirit upon us afresh, that you will open our minds and open our hearts and teach us your word and give us wisdom and insight to know how to live in accordance with your word. We ask this because otherwise we are helpless and hopeless to live for your glory. But by your grace and mercy, we would aspire to do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and to his name be praise, honor, glory 
forever and ever. Amen. Here's a question. What is Matthew 28 all about? Matthew 28 is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That was our focus last Sunday on Easter. Here's another question for you. What is Matthew 28 all about? Matthew 28 is all about the great commission, Jesus' command to go and make disciples of all nations. We just read about that. There's the connection. There's a very close connection. The connection between Jesus' resurrection and the Great Commission. The connection is so close that we could say that the two points really are inseparable. Look at it this way. Matthew presents it here in the climactic chapter of his gospel. Jesus is raised from the dead. He meets with the apostles. He sends them out to make disciples of all nations. There it is in summary. But here's the thing. It's not only in Matthew. The other gospel writers do exactly the same thing in their own way. They report that Jesus appeared to his apostles and then sent them out to proclaim the gospel. Resurrection and great commission. Inseparably connected. And guess what? It's not only the four gospels. Think about the great resurrection chapter in the Apostle Paul's letters. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Don't turn there, but if you want to make a note, you can note it. 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection. Jesus' resurrection and our resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul argues the case for Jesus' resurrection. He gives theological instruction about the resurrection, Jesus' and ours. He shows the connection. And then he brings this great chapter to its climactic point by proclaiming the victory of the resurrection. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory of the resurrection. But then, what does Paul immediately say? What is the therefore? What is the therefore of Paul's great chapter on the resurrection? He writes, Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The work of the Lord, which is not in vain, is the work which builds up His church, increases the growth of His kingdom in this world, and spreads His glory throughout the earth. Are you connecting the dots? The resurrection of Jesus and the church's work of the Great Commission are inseparably connected. So here's the point. When Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, he did not say to them, well, guys, I've got that covered for you. Uh, you don't have anything to worry about, so you can take it easy, live, live a nice life, and I'll see you later. That is not what he said. And I know that that sounds ridiculous, but it seems that maybe, perhaps, maybe, 
That's what some professing Christians really think these days. It's as though the death and resurrection of Jesus are simply and only about going to heaven when I die. Never mind what Jesus calls me to do now in this world. But to the contrary, what Jesus said is, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And we need to stop for a minute and think about what that means. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is an audacious claim. It is Jesus' assertion of his kingship, his sovereignty, his all-powerful rule. Not just in heaven, but also on earth. Not just in what we would call the spiritual life, but in and over all of life, in all of its aspects. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, Jesus was saying, I am king. I am king of heaven. I am king of earth. I have won the victory, and now I am rightfully reclaiming what is mine. The whole world. All things in heaven. All things in the spiritual realm, all things on earth, the lives and affairs of men and every nation, the whole world and everything that goes on is to be conformed to my word and my will. The standard of my righteousness, the blessing of my peace is to be the rule in every corner of the earth. Now you go and proclaim that good news to the world. Go and spread the good news of my kingship to people of all nations. I am king. And people of every nation are now called to receive my kingdom with joy and thanksgiving. You go and you teach people in every nation how to live as citizens of my kingdom. Mark them as citizens of my kingdom. With the sign of baptism, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, go as my messengers, my ambassadors, my spiritual soldiers, my kingdom construction workers. Go, get to work, and remember, I will be with you. You see, Jesus didn't say, I've died for you, I've risen for you, you can take it easy. He said, get to work. Let's pause and take another deep breath. There's something else I want you to think about. Put yourself in the apostles' place. Matthew tells us that the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That's an amazingly honest statement written by one of the apostles. They worshipped him, but some doubted. That is to say, at least, that 
There was still some confusion in the minds of some. The dust hadn't really settled, so to speak. Some were at least wondering, could this really be happening? Could this really be true? Put yourself in the apostle's place, confused, not sure, maybe afraid, as in some kind of a strange dream. And then Jesus says to you, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Listen to that very carefully. Put yourself in that scene. Think about it. You're up on this mountain in Galilee with ten friends and a man who had been crucified but now stands there alive in front of you. He tells you and your little group of friends to go and to proclaim him as the king of the world. To make disciples of all nations. He's telling you, you go back into the Roman Empire. You go back and tell Caesar, Jesus Christ is Lord, King. It must have been a daunting, fearsome, bewildering moment. What are the odds? What are the chances? Eleven apostles and some other believers, Luke tells us that the total number in Jerusalem at that time was about 120. How many have we got here today? Maybe close to that. 120, none of whom were in positions of power or influence, Financially, socially, or politically. In fact, to the contrary, all of whom were marginalized because of their prior association with Jesus. 120, at the most, marginalized, unarmed, politically unconnected, nobodies, against the Roman Empire, which ruled... The known world. You've got to be kidding. What are the odds? Well, here we are today. 2,000 years later, on the other side of the globe, worshiping Jesus Christ the King, learning to observe His commands, learning how to live as a citizen of His kingdom on the earth, on a continent that the original 11 disciples did not even know existed. See the point? What's the point? All right, let's let's look at it this way. Do you think that we Christians today are up against a lot Are you concerned about the forces at large in American culture? The increasing acceptability of ungodliness? 
the decline in moral values rooted in Christian faith, the decay in ethical standards rooted in Christian faith, the increase in pagan spirituality, the aggressiveness of atheism in our nation, the threat of radical Islam, the marginalization of the church as a public institution, as though it didn't really matter at all, the disregard for the Christian faith as foundational to our society in general, the flood of immorality pouring through the Internet and the mainstream entertainment industry, the idolatry of materialism, not to mention the issues of war, environmental concern, continuing struggles in race relations, and the vicious cycles of poverty, crime, and the disintegration of the family structure. You feel like the church is up against a lot of challenges and adversities today? That's just in the United States. What about our brothers and sisters in China, India, Africa, and the Muslim nations of Asia or around the world? Well... What about those first 11 apostles? Were they up against a lot? Are we up against any more than they were? I want to take it one step further, and I want you to hang in here with me. Think about the original 11. Jesus gave the Great Commission directly to them. Go and make disciples of all nations, and I will be with you. I want you to think about it. Do you think that the Apostle James believed the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you think he believed that the gospel would continue to go forth with the power of salvation so that men and women of every nation would learn what it means to be a disciple of King Jesus? Do you think that the Apostle James believed that at the moment when King Herod's sword severed his head from his body. I think the Apostle James believed in the power of the gospel, even at that moment. Because James had seen the glory of King Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he had seen Jesus risen from the dead on the mountain in Galilee. Do you think the Apostle Peter believed that the gospel of Jesus Christ would bring God's blessing to all nations, that Christ's kingdom really would advance and increase and fill the earth? Do you think that the Apostle Peter believed that even while he hung upside down dying on a cross? I think that the Apostle Peter believed in the power of the gospel and in the success of the Great Commission because Jesus had told him, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and I will be with you. Do you think that the Apostle John, living in exile alone as an old man, believed even then that the kingdoms of this world would become the kingdom of Jesus Christ and people from every tribe and tongue and nation would worship the lamb that was slain. Oh yes, he believed it with all his heart. That is what the book of the Revelation is all about. And what about that apostle untimely born, the apostle Paul? What do you think he thought when he was imprisoned in Rome? 
his missionary journeys brought to a halt as he awaited his own beheading. Do you think that he still believed the gospel? Still believed in the fulfillment of the Great Commission? Of course he did. He believed it with all his heart because he knew, because of the resurrection of Jesus, that if God is for us, who can be against us? And that little verse from Romans 8 has to do not only with things working out for us personally in the short term, but with the working out of the gospel throughout the whole world, the blessing of the Great Commission being fulfilled because neither death nor life nor powers nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, those apostles weren't up against anything more. We're not up against anything more than what they were up against. And the the work of the Great Commission has been entrusted to us today. It's still ongoing as the work of the gospel goes on in the world today. Do you believe in Jesus' resurrection from the dead? If you do, then it logically follows that you believe in the work of the Great Commission and in its ultimate fulfillment. No matter the obstacles and adversities we face today, the obstacles and adversities we face are no greater than any of the obstacles and adversities faced by the first century believers or other believers throughout church history. There is no obstacle or adversity anywhere in the spiritual realm or in the natural realm or in the political realm which is greater than Jesus Christ. And he is always with us. So then, where do you fit in? Where do you fit in? Right where you are. Right now, all over the world, there are Christian missionaries working in places where the church of Jesus Christ is not yet well established. Working in places where the church of Jesus Christ lives underground because of political persecution. Working in places where people have never even heard the name of Jesus. Right now we have missionaries of our denomination, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, who are working to spread the gospel in Muslim nations. And as we grow as an EPC congregation, we will grow in our support of world missions. We will grow in world missions through our financial support and prayer support and participation in short-term mission trips. But brothers and sisters, you don't have to go to a foreign land to be faithful to the Great Commission. America is a mission field. Monroe, Louisiana is a mission field. You don't have to go to the ends of the earth. All you have to do is go to the end of your street. Don't think of the mission field as being somewhere else far, far away. You live on the mission field. So you go. You go home today. You go home today with a renewed commitment to make disciples of your children. To bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Teaching them to observe everything his word says. And he will be with you. You go. You go back into your neighborhood and be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And demonstrate, live out the kingdom of his love. 
and invite others to learn what it means to live as his disciple. You go and he will be with you. You go. Go to work in the morning. Be a representative of King Jesus. Bring the righteousness of his kingdom to bear on your workplace in whatever way he enables you to do so. You go and he will be with you. You go. You go to school. Go to school. And be prepared to follow Jesus. Be prepared to live under the authority, His authority over all things. You go and He will be with you. You go, 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 go to parties, go to athletic events, go to the grocery store, go wherever you go. Go, go and let the world know by what you do and by what you say. That Jesus Christ is key. Go where God has placed you. Go where God calls you. Make disciples for the increase of His kingdom. The building up of His church and the glory of His name. And let me add that this is not something, this this making of disciples, this going as witnesses, is not something that we do only as isolated individuals. I'd like for us as a congregation to get a vision, a corporate vision that we together as the corporate body of Christ together have been placed here in this time and in this place, in this community so that we in our life together, in the way in which we worship together, in the way in which we work together, in the way in which we spread the good news together in the community of Jesus Christ and His authority over all of life, that we together as a united body of His people, that we would see ourselves as having been placed here and sent here to make disciples for the building up of His church, for the growth of His kingdom, for the glory of His name. And as we pursue that, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, with all authority in heaven and on earth, will be with us. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for the word of the gospel. The word of light that shines in the darkness. The word of life which conquers death. And how we pray that your spirit will work your word in our hearts to renew our minds, to transform our lives. That we might live on the earth as citizens of your king, kingdom, faithfully serving King Jesus, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.